Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey girl. Hey girl. Are you on a laptop now? No, I'm still on my ancient desktop. <laughs> when are you going to get a new laptop? Um, you know, when I have a day off, which seems to be never. <laughs> you know, you can order them online these days and they'll come straight to your house. Really? <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, I have to handle it because I'm going out of town soon, so. Well, and also your whole life is on your, on your laptop. <laughs> You've got to be able to, like, work and not be just tied to your desk. Well, the good thing is this iCloud situation and also Google Docs. Has, thank yeah. God, right before my computer crashed, a.k.a. I spilled coffee all over it. Um, <laughs> I had transferred all the letters of my grandfather's for my project, there's 63 of them, onto a Google Docs. Thank God I would have been so fucked if I hadn't have done that. It's always after something like that happens, you think, oh, yeah, yeah, I should probably get a hard drive or something. Yeah. And literally never do it. Exactly. That's what I do. I just think, yeah, that's really important. I've, I've really got to handle this. I'm got to do that. It. Never think about it again. Never again. So now that Mercury in retrograde is over, I think that, like, the technical issues are going to just clear right up. Hey, how about that full Scorpio moon last night? Yeah, it wasn't, do you know what? I feel like there are places where it's more prominent than here. Like I looked up and I was like, yeah, that's a nice moon. But it wasn't like, the one before, like, was crazy here. Yeah, it really does depend on where you are, doesn't it? Yeah, don't even ask me about like moons and clouds and planets and shit. I don't understand it. I literally look at the sky and I'm like, what is it? I don't know what that is. It's so overwhelming. <laughs> I try not to look up. It is so overwhelming. People talk about stuff and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's totally sounds like really good. And I'm just like standing there thinking, <laughs> I don't know what you've just fucking said. I don't understand. I follow NASA on Instagram and I'm like, I know what I'm looking at, but I don't understand what I'm looking at. No, it's terrifying. You know, it's like my brain cannot... I'm like, are those the real colors? Am I seeing the real thing here? Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I know you're explaining it to me, but what you're saying is not making sense. But I don't really even understand. Like, until fairly recently, I thought that the clouds moved because of the Earth's rotation, which is definitely one of, like, <laughs> the stupidest things I've ever thought in my fucking life that's like football for me you can explain it to me a thousand times i i i know i actually went to my first american football game the other day because my little niece was doing dancing at the halftime show oh is she Um, on the dance team yeah it's really cute um and loved it i loved the energy it was very like um homoerotic and um you know i think that it was a great outlet for these young boys who probably feel they want to sort of kiss their friends and, and don't really know why or how, if that's even possible. So instead they can just slap them on the arse. Yeah, they can the just pummel and, and just go like, oh, with their chest and like grab each other's cups and stuff and then just get it out that way. Push know? them on the ground and mount them. 
Yeah, they're not gay. It's football. But there's some, but there's some feelings there that yeah. they really want to iron out. And I'm happy for them that they can do that. I like the way they paint the floor. I like that there's cheerleaders doing whorish dances. I love everything about it. At my high school, the dance team were sluts. So in this world that we're living in where we're we're sex positive we're body positive honey <laughs> like we don't have sluts i know anymore. you can't use the word sluts anymore you but can. i would like to use the word slut to describe myself and lucy walsh horse slut bag hey listen i was captain of the dance team okay <laughs> oh hell <laughs> and one two cocks in my face and one two balls on my face <laughs> i actually never made dance team or cheerleading um oh yeah don't tell us that story again i, I know it was really really sad so let's move on so it was also gross it was also gross <laughs> we don't need to hear about any broken bones today let's take it easy we just entered scorpio shit's dark enough okay let's just keep it light keep it light how are you today i'm good babe I went for a walk this morning, which was really nice. Lovely way to start the day, I think. Um, my shirt's coming along nicely. As you know, I haven't really been texting you back. Yeah, I know. You've been very, very elusive. <laughs> Must I remind you again that I have severe abandonment issues? <laughs> Sorry. And I don't feel like we can call it a shed anymore because it's turning into a beautiful house. No, I don't think we can either, um, especially now that I know what goes into building it so I haven't been able to help that much because I'm weak <laughs> but anything I can do that physically I can do I've been doing which hasn't been very much until this point but now I can help because we're doing this thing called mudding which is like plastering where you put this like wet muddy stuff on and then you like scrape it down and it fills in all the holes and cracks mm-hmm. so that's really fun I love stuff like that because I like fixing and mending and perfecting and cleaning and smoothing things out yeah so I love that then but what happens after it dries is you have to sand it and then you just get like antiqued you're just covered in dust it's in your nose it's in your mouth it's in your lungs well you're in the house having a cup of tea by that time right you're not doing the sanding no I'm doing it too because I I can (laughs) so I feel I must Alec who has has become since the crash my bff he's building the house for me basically single-handedly and i can't bear the thought of him out there doing it alone when i know i can help Mm -hmm. so i've been helping him most of the time he doesn't really want my help unsurprisingly because i've got absolutely no idea what i'm doing and it takes him twice as long to teach me things as it would if he just (laughs) yeah he's just like get out of my way he's like please just don't you've broken 50 nails and um but yeah so i'm i'm in that i'm getting in that i'm digging in and he's away today so i'm going to be doing i'm being left unattended for the first time in there doing something what are you going to do just sweep some dirt around or something well, I'm going to do that first, and then I'm going to do the second layer of mudding. Okay. Because the first layer has to dry, then you sand it, then you do it again, then it dries, then you sand it again. I know this is a thrilling story, but it that's thrilling. what I've been doing. So actually, the other night, we were, we were doing the mudding, right? And I was laying in bed, and we were watching Bake Off on the laptop, and I have started falling asleep. <laughs> this isn't funny. <laughs> 
This isn't funny. It was bread week on Bake Off. They're doing focaccia bread, okay? Yeah. And in my dream, as I drifted off, I was mudding the wall and filling the cracks in. And then I took some olives out and I stuck them in the mud on the wall. In my dream. That's how demented I've gone. And why I haven't texted you back because that's where my head is at. I'm just obsessed with building this thing. I figured. Um, I figured you have a lot on your plate. So that's been it. That's the thrilling story of what I've been doing this week. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Good. So, okay. What have you been doing? I saw you went to a concert, which you didn't invite me to, which is really weird. Oh, yes, I went to the Eagles concert. Did you not invite me because I've repeatedly slandered your dad on the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) It was the Forum, which is like such a sick place for them to play, right? Yeah, the Forum was bought by Irving Azoff, my dad's manager, and saved saved from being condemned, really. And he completely redid it made it the best sound system. It's like their favorite place to play. They always do a couple nights in LA there. It must be so nice for them because they can play the biggest, biggest venues in the world. I mean, they could probably play Madison Square Garden every night for like a month. Yeah, they always do like three, four nights there too. Do you know what I mean? It's like they could just play the biggest place. So to go and play a more intimate venue... Like the forum actually must be so nice for them. Yeah, 20,000 people. As artists. <laughs> Intimate yeah, 20,000. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean? Compared to what they're used to, that is basically intimate. Isn't yeah, it? compared to Wembley and shit, it's very intimate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And festivals and all that where there's hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. It was really strange this time around because we couldn't see anyone or go backstage. It was fun. It was great. They sounded incredible. I'm always so emotional when I go because when your dad's in a band like that, it becomes the entire family's journey. The experience belongs to all of you. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, whether you like it or not. There's good <laughs> things about that. There's there's tough things about that. Very tough things. The family has to sacrifice a lot. For the person to be in that group. And so when I go to the concerts, it kind of brings all that up. And I think about just what it's meant in my life, what mm. it's what it's brought up for me, what it's made me experience. I always get very quiet and I just watch and think. And I really can relate to that. When I would go and see my dad play, I would, for the most part, like every time I saw even if he played like three gigs a day at Epcot it would be like so fun and I was always like at the front or on the side just like having the best time because his band and him was so good and lively but I know exactly what you mean by going quiet and like all of a sudden you start thinking about what this really means to you as a person and it's so strange to share your dad with so many people and you know the one thing I always say about my dad I mean I say a lot of things about my dad but you know he wasn't a great dad that wasn't his calling in life and that's fine like I can live with the sacrifice of 
me not having a great dad, even though I desperately wanted it, because I look around me and I see all these happy people and the effect that it's had on everyone's lives. And I think, well, if that's the deal, I think I can make peace with with all of this joy and all of this goodness and all of this energy and karma around my dad and what he does and what he brings to the world in exchange for me not having a dad is worth it. And I know that's such a fucking weird thing to say. And most people don't have to go and see their dads at work and Mm -hmm. have such a thought as this, you know, and also, like you said, the journey and you think it brings up all this shit from your childhood. It's not just going to see a concert every time. Oh no, no, no. um, It's a profound experience when you, when you see them up there and, not every time, but when it hits, it it really hits. <laughs> you sort of feel it, don't you? You go, oh God, it's going to be one of those nights. And it trickles down through all your cells. And and you kind of have this really out-of-body experience, I feel yeah, like, it is. on those nights. So I can really relate to that. And So thank you for bringing that up because... They played three nights and I only had the energy to go one because I can't go through that three times it just brings up so much (laughs) have the therapist on call yeah especially where my dad and I's relationship is right now is not not in a communicative place let's just say in this situation that you're in do you buy a ticket to go and see your dad or do you call somebody and say hey I'd like to be there or like when you're not communicating with your dad and your relationship is in a patch that it is right now, how does that process work? Uh, well, I call Smokey and I say, hey, Smokey, <laughs> be on the Smokey, list. Your dad's security guard. My, yeah, Smokey is my dad's security guard. I've never had the relationship with him where you go directly to him about things. Uh, okay. I think certain people design their lives that way. There's so many people in that camp that handle specific things for him. And from a very young age, I just always went through other people. And I know that's... No, I think what you just shared is beautiful. And I think it's fascinating. And I think just because you're in the situation that you're in with your dad, I think a lot of people could relate that to whether their dad works in HR at British Telecom or, you know plugging drains with the you know LADWP it's like I think when you have a strain in a relationship with a family member ultimately whether there's 10 assistants and managers through there or auntie and uncle and cousin you kind of have to go through people to get answers on things are you coming to Christmas am I invited to the birthday party would you uh you know I mean family goes through each other a lot don't they Yeah, you have to. And it doesn't matter whether your dad's in the eagles or the monkeys or if he's, you know, a butcher. It's if things get strained, all of a sudden there are these different layers and different complexities to to the relationship. I was just wondering because obviously I've had a similar upbringing to you and I've also had periods of a huge strain with my dad where it's been like, well, I was estranged from my dad for a couple of years so yeah. during that time, I had no um, communication with him. Yeah. So I was just, I was just wondering, like, out of curiosity of, of how it was, because I would go to him. So for me, it was always I would go to my dad, mm. and a, I think a big part of the friction in the relationship with my dad was that I didn't pander to all of his. If he tried to be starry with me, I would be like, 
yeah, funny, pull the other fucking one and get down off your high horse and come down here in the trenches with the rest of us. You are no longer content to communicate and have the relationship. Through others. Just, and on his terms. Right. Guess what happens? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not always like that. Because that's what happened with my dad and I. And I said, I'm not fucking doing this on your terms anymore. Don't send me postcards. Don't call me at the house. Don't do anything until you're ready to be my dad. I don't want to fucking hear from you. And I didn't hear from him for two two years. And then he came back. But it took that and it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't pleasant. It was very distressing. And it's not to say that that's how it would be for every person. But when you're no longer willing to have a relationship solely on the terms of one person. What are you saying? I know my worth. I know what I want and I know what I deserve. Would you like to work with me on achieving a balanced relationship? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it's up to them to decide if they do or don't and for you to decide how you respond to that. There's that part of you that is the daughter that says... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give up on my parent. If this is all I can, if this is the only thing I can do to show up and say I'm still here, then, and that's part of why I went. I'm proud of you for going. I am. I think it's, I think it would be um, unaligned with who you are as a person to make some statement and not go because in your heart, you want a relationship with your dad and you want to support him and love him and for him to love and support you in return um, so it would be completely inauthentic for you not to go. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. That's um, how I felt. Yeah. Good. Good for you. Cause that means you stay true to you. Exactly. What you feel is like real for you. Exactly. Well, good for you. Proud of you. Thank you. Did Will go with you? Yeah. Will went. Good. And um, a man named Dean Norris, who I've just only recently became friends with, he plays Hank on Breaking Bad. <laughs> and he's in when a lot of other things. Him, when you posted him on your Instagram page, Alec was like, fucking hell, that, that's a lad from Breaking Bad. And I was like, look, i got to tell you something. I've never <laughs> seen Breaking Bad. <laughs> you I can't it? watch it. It's so stressful. It's, it's so, so stressful. stressful. Yeah. I can't. Will Will um, got me onto it, and we finished the whole thing. It was very stressful, though, but so much fun. It's such a fun show, and and he yeah. he was our favorite character on the show. And then I just ended up meeting him, and we got to talking, and we invited him and his wife. And Aww. it's been so fun to get to know them, and they're such lovely people. And um, he's working on a show right now called The United States of Al. That's so nice. So you had a nice couple's evening. Yes, we did. Lovely. Okay, so you ready for the news? Are you ready for the news? <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready. One, <laughs> two, oh, three. Shit. <laughs> And now, okay, it's not world news. It's not important news. It's it's What a disaster! What a disaster! What do you got for us, Annabelle? Couple things. What's going um, on in the world of celeb, <laughs> salacious celeb gossip today? 
you guys are probably so bored of me being obsessed with Harry and Meghan and the royal family, <laughs> and then the American royal family, the Kardashians. <gasps> Is that what we're saying? I believe that they're the American royal family, yeah. It's the closest thing you guys have got. Um, really? So Don't know how I feel about that. Big bloody news. What's going on? This is going to mean nothing to you, okay? Courtney Kardashian, okay. the eldest Kardashian sister, the, the most fabulous in my opinion. She's the one that is was like, I don't want to do this fucking show anymore. I haven't wanted to do it for 50 years. I, I, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all of you. She's the one who slapped Kim in the face, remember? And there was the makeup face print on the wall. They had a fist fight. I've never seen it. Oh, God, we'll put some clips in because she does some really funny things. She does this thing where she says, <laughs> there's a quote where she goes, So are we cool? Like, are we in agreement? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I have to go. What the heck does A, B, C, D, E, F, G mean? It's just a phrase I like to use. That means is that a real phrase? The conversation is over. You've said this before. You've never heard that phrase? <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you? Yes, that means the convo is done. If you say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. Is she the one with she Travis just, Barker? She's a Travis Barker. And last week, they got engaged. Oh. They look so in love. And I really want this to last. I'm like... I'm rooting for them 100%. They look so in love. Since she's been with him, she's like gained some weight. She's like leaning into herself a little bit more. She's kind of relaxed. Like she's just like, she was always the most natural one, but now she just seems like she's like unfurling a little bit. She's not in the show anymore. She can kind of just explore who she wants to be outside of the context of keeping up with the Kardashians who I'm pretty sure literally like early on in the series, I remember there being conversations about like everyone had to have the same hair color and shit. So it's like, no, like she's being herself now, living her life. This bitch literally was so uptight when she was doing that show. She would like sniff cupcakes because she refused to eat sugar and gluten and stuff. Like in the show, there's like clips of her like- I know a lot of girls who sniff food. Bitch, eat the food. You look a wreck, eat the food. I can't. I can't, I can't handle this. Um, so anyway, she's eating the cupcake. She's doing Is that just thing. an LA thing or does that happen elsewhere? It's LA. It's not, it's literally, if I sniffed a cupcake in front of my friends, they'd fucking smash it into my face. <laughs> like, like, you yeah. dumb bitch. So they got engaged at Miramar Beach. Um, and I would just like to say that and on another big event that happened in the area that they got engaged was my birthday party this year, where, oh, yes. which I think was like as beautiful as the proposal. They, were, they had maybe a thousand red roses in a circle. It was so thrilling to see. <laughs> and it was thrilling to see like on my favorite beach where I had my birthday. There was barely anyone there. You know, when it's just like thrilling to see somebody that you like or you follow like in a place that you go. I don't know. Stupid. No, I get stupid. it. I get it. Um, <laughs> so that made me really happy and I wish them the best. I hope they do get married and I hope they stay together because they've overcome a lot together. He he was in a plane crash many, many years ago and his yeah. friend died, I believe, in the crash. And yes. He's never been on a plane since, but since he's been with her, they've traveled and he took a plane. So it seems like they're really good for one another and they're growing together, which I think is really sweet. Good and for hopeful. them. 
And I just thought it was adorable. So that's my one piece of news. And then my second piece of news is, um, which I just emailed you and um, (sighs) you saw, which was really, really another bit of Kardashian news. I'll let you explain this one. I don't understand what I saw. Is that you? Yay. Kanye West has changed his name legally to Yay, spelt Y-E. And um, he's getting off the plane here in New York. Wearing what is being described as a Caucasian mask. So he's got white face on and he has hopped on a plane to New York. He's gone to meet, who's he meeting? Disgraced ex-Trump lawyer, Michael Cohen. Doesn't say here why on God's green earth he's gone to meet Michael Cohen. But he's wearing a Croc-style Wellington boot, which I'm assuming is a new Yeezy. Some black jeans that are also grey-washed. A leather jacket that looks like it once belonged to Jerry Seinfeld. And the most disturbing Caucasian mask I can imagine. It's got thick black eyeliner on as well. It's bold. It looks like something you see before your last final breath when you're being murdered. <laughs> it's so insane. It's so it's terrifying. Demented. It's demented. And Kanye West is so interesting to me. Why? Because he's not interesting to me at all. So why is he interesting to you? Like as a psychological psychotherapy case study, you know, he has bipolar. So right. And he won't take medicine. Oh, really? So, yeah, a lot of bipolar people won't take their medicine because they feel that they've got a gift and it gives them an edge and they see the world in a different way, which I don't deny. But I also think that from the bipolar people I know that when they take their medicine, they can have a much happier, healthy life. Yeah. You know, I think that when you get to a certain point of wealth and success, you know how we talked about Bezos with his cock rocket and all of that? Yeah. There's like so, there's only so many things you can do that will make you feel something after that point. I think going into space is one. I think going into the bottom of the sea and snorkeling is probably one. I think murder is one. Yeah. I think being a paedophile is one. It's the final frontier. You fucked every other thing on the planet. I think that's why there's so many like millionaire, billionaire paedophiles. Your tastes can always be quenched. Therefore, what is the next taste? What's the next taste? What's the next taste? What's the next taste? Right. I think the psychology of rich people, the ultra rich, is fascinating. Their habits and um, like pathologies, basically. It's a pathology that exists in all of us, even if we don't have billions of dollars and going into space it exists at every level we can all see in our day where mm-hmm. that wasn't enough now i need to take it a step further to get the same satisfaction that that mm-hmm. lower level gave me before got to be really but you careful have of that. endless resources right what happens when you when you then have endless resources exactly so i think what i noticed with kanye is he's always wearing something to hide himself you know, as mm. we know, he's had liposuction. He's had other things because... I didn't know any of that. Yeah, you haven't seen that interview for TMZ when he goes, I had liposuction for you! That's my favorite thing. No. <laughs> he goes crazy. He goes crazy. He just loses 
is it? It's the best <laughs> interview ever. It's the one where he says slavery was a choice or something. Just completely, <laughs> just lost the plot completely. And now he's but dressed I, as a white person. Exactly. But Max and I used to throw that one around a lot. Like Kanye voice was one of our favorite that's um, funny. Ways to communicate with each other. But yeah, he's a real wacky dude. The funny and thing about this picture of him with a white face is that he's got one hand out of his glove. So he's got a white face and a and a black, black hand cane. and everything yeah. else is covered <laughs> from head to toe. I know. What well, he could have got those gloves that you can type with. with <laughs> yeah. Um but uh listen. It makes me think that the next Yeezy campaign, we're going to see some uh, black and white face masks, which I think is pretty interesting. And I just love how provocative he is because he doesn't have the same guardrails that we have. He's unafraid Mm. to do and say and be unthinkably provocative. And you know me, I love extreme people either way. To me, it's like super interesting super entertaining um as long as you're not harming anyone i love to hear and see people just do like the wildest shit don't harm yourself don't harm anyone else what do you think of stuff like where he's coming out and making crowds wait for hours or canceling his shows because that's harming people you know in the chat we had last week where i said if you don't want to hear about crackheads fat people white women and transgender people don't go to the dave Chappelle show if you don't want to wait for hours don't go to a kanye concert if you're not if you're not prepared to wait for six hours don't go to the kanye concert that's funny Um, that's funny what i think about (laughs) is interesting about him is that he's always covering his face and he's always masking Uh, himself and i find that very interesting and i'd like to know what that's about in the sense that, like, rich people can go and go and go and go and go, like, higher, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger. Kanye's response to that seems to have been pair back, pair back, pair back. All of his fashion line, very neutral tones. All of the shapes of the bags and the coats, everything is about, like, masking. And it's almost like he's had the counter reaction to it, where it's, like, opposite. So I just find that really interesting, and I would love to know more about it. I mean, probably never will, but (laughs) not until he's dead and people in his inner circle on his payroll start speaking out, you know? Right. But I just find him fascinating from that perspective. Do you like his music? I like some of his music. I, I like the new album. I listened to a bit of the new album and I think there was definitely some bops on that. I thought it was all garbage. I know it's really not your. It's not to your taste. Um, I would have probably fallen off my chair if you were like, "Oh yeah, like that that one song, track number three. Yeah, I think it's like not music to everyone, you know. And that's the thing. I think music. There are songs that I listen to now, on the radio or in the top forty, and I'm just like, this is is not music. And I sound like a boomer because it's like what old people say, like this is music in my day was. So beautiful. <laughs> now and now we just like listen to this music and I'm just like, what is this? I know, but, but it's true. And it has to do, it's such a long conversation. It's such a long, I have so much to say on this because yeah. it, there's so many, there's, there's social things that go into that. Really? There's, there's technological th- reasons why it's happened. And you and I, I mean, your dad's stuff is really interesting and different than my dad's music Mm -hmm. because your dad's was this packaged 
this product, this, this create crafted thing. Mm-hmm. And my dad was just playing rock and roll. Yeah. But I had the pleasure of growing up around these prolific musicians who mm-hmm. under back then, back then in my day, <laughs> you had to have talent to get that deal. You had to have fucking talent to get on that stage and get in that studio. It's just gone. It's lost. But for the talent, most part. Talent means something different now. And that's that's what you have to come to terms with and we all have to come to terms with is what is considered talent is completely different. Completely. And that has a lot to do with the technology. Technology? The technology technologies that are driving the industry forward all mm-hmm. the platforms have a lot to do with it shorter just okay it's it's long it's a well big it's one. become <laughs> so democratized that anyone can do it now right and where it used to be like one in a million could you break through exactly whereas now it's like any probably every person on your road's got a soundcloud account where they're uploading their demo exactly yeah, sort of. yeah. the talent hasn't gone anywhere it's just the Stuff that gets made at the top and released onto a top 40 radio is insane. Insane. It's like a factory line. <laughs> factory line conveyor belt. Just get it out, get it out, But get you it out, know get it out. that that's what people were saying when our dads were doing their thing yeah. as well. There would have been hordes of people who would listen to your dad's music and go, what is this noise, this rock and roll garbage? Like, Oh, yeah. You know, people used to sing songs and the same... You know, the monkeys weren't allowed into places because of their haircuts. Because yeah. old people found their haircuts to be too rebellious and... Uh, Very political. provocative. You know, it's like, it's just... You and me, we're the boomers now. We're the old people. I know. <laughs> I'm it's an like, old, <laughs> old rocker. That's the devil, <laughs> devil's music. <laughs> oh, no. I hate it now. I hate the feeling when I put something on on the radio and I'm like, um, what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> the other day, a Nicki Minaj song came on and she was like, I shit on them. I'm shitting on them. I shit on these hoes. I shit on them. And I'm just like sitting there just like, huh, huh, huh. like every time she said something. <laughs> but then as the song went along, I was kind of like, kind of like this song (laughs) it grew on me it grew on me because i was like the stuff she's saying is so fucking (laughs) mental that i actually fuck with it anyway on to your news anyway okay my news uh my news oh my news is that um, uh, (laughs) 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 my news is that a meteorite crashed down on a sleeping Canadian woman's bed and missed her by inches. Oh, I don't know why that's funny to me. That <laughs> is not something that happens in real life. That only happens in cartoons. I know. Well, I half expected, as soon as I said this, for you to do what you always do with my news, to like Google it and be like, nah, that's not true. Armadillos are not bulletproof, Okay. <laughs> Do you believe this one? I I think I do. Yeah, I they like, I, there's a rock. She showed the rock. She showed the, the rock, rock, yeah. Space so rock. on October 3rd, this meteorite ripped through the roof of her home, and there's a picture of it coming through her ceiling. Ruth Hamilton of Golden, British Columbia, said it all happened really quickly. 
Well, how else would a meteorite hit you? It wouldn't be like it would happen slowly. It's not knocking on the door. Hello, excuse me, madam. <laughs> Hello, I'm going to enter your roof in three minutes. Get ready. Uh, yeah, the dog barked, and then within two minutes, the meteorite came right through the roof. Toby, the five-year-old Australian shepherd dog, might have heard the meteorite passing through the atmosphere, and that's probably what he was barking at. So it finally made contact with her roof at 11.35 at night. Sounded like an explosion, she says. I had no idea what happened. She had drywall dust all over her face. Just sounds like Familiar. you building your house, exactly. I feel you, girl. I feel you. And she called 911 when she realized what had happened. Not sure why she felt the need to call 911. She nine- called the police. <laughs> Hello? Police! There's a rock in my bedroom. People are so fucking weird. Imagine being of the mindset like a meteorite has just come through my house and I'm going to call an ambulance. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a robber. She says I flipped back the top pillow and the rock was just sitting there. It slid down between the pillows. It didn't bounce. And that's probably a good thing. Yeah. So she called the police she put on rubber gloves to pick it up. Probably smart. We don't know what the fuck radioactive material it has on it. It's quite smooth. It's black sand. Looks like compressed black sand. That's probably and why she called the police. Because it was black? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I had to actually question that. I got it before those words came out of my mouth. God damn it. <laughs> She's a real Karen. God. Did NASA come or what's Australian yeah, so NASA? She has, she has given the stone to science, science I almost said Scientologists. We're <laughs> 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 not talking about them. No, not today. Uh, the scientists at the University of Calgary's Department of Geoscience. So they are going to do all their research on it and do a bunch of tests, and then they're going to give it back to her. So do you think she sort of drove it there herself, or do you think they come and take it? Does it explain the procedure? or just <laughs> They probably came and extracted it from her bedroom in hazmat suits because, again, who knows what could be on it. And they were probably waiting to see if she would die, quite honestly. You know, not sure I would have given that rock up. Yeah, I know, right? I feel like you I could put I a price tag on that thing. <laughs> Classic Lucy Walsh. How much can I sell this thing for? <laughs> she said when she gets it back, she might put it up for auction. Absolutely. Oh, they're going to give it back to her then? Yeah, they're going to give it back to her when oh, she's... Oh, I believe that when I see it. I know, right? She's making plans for when the meteorite is returned to her. She said she's looking forward to showing it to her grandchildren and possibly the students at a local school. <laughs> great. That is a great story. Oh, she's received several offers from prospective buyers and she may end up selling it. But her quote at the end of it all was that she's thankful to be alive, to come out unscathed. She said, hug your loved ones and don't leave mad because you could go in your sleep one night. So don't take life for granted. True that, honey. True that. So that's my news. Great news. Loved it. Yep. All right. It's time for some listener feedback. A little bit of listener feedback. Do we need a jingle for this segment too? No, one's enough. 
How about, Class- how about like, listener feedback time? No, I hate that. What's your idea? Just none. We've already got one jingle and it's a train wreck. <laughs> we should probably perfect that first before we move on to good, the There one. we go. Oh, there we okay. go. Let's try and right, get okay. that one down okay. and then we'll talk about doing another one. And on that subject, Classa says, don't ever pre-record the da 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 news bit. I love it being on the fly. It brings me so much joy to hear you both laugh your asses off at the end. Fair enough. The people have spoken. The people. So what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about big titties and breakthroughs. My big old titties. Annabelle's big old lopsided titties. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fuck you. I can say that. You can't say that. Yeah, you can say it. It's true. I know that I shared this on the Instagram, but not everyone follows me on Instagram. Beth, I can't wait for this episode. It's like you read my heart. Thank you for talking about these things. When my dad died, my sister and I had no idea how to do anything, get to anything or what his wishes were. Not only were we grieving, but then trying to sort all that out on top of it was so heavy. The anxiety and fear were palpable. We felt so unsteady on the decisions we made, unsure of what his wishes were. We did the best we could with the information we could find, but it added so much more heartache than we even had space to hold. Thank you for talking about this. If it saves one person's heartache, it's worth every effort. Love you. Um, That was pertaining to our chat at the beginning of the episode on money and getting your affairs in order and how it's really important to leave, you know, an indication of what goes where, who gets what, master password list, all of that stuff so that your loved ones aren't dealing with that on top of all of the other hideousness of of the process um yeah so thanks for that feedback that was really lovely and really really great it's so nice to hear that people are having breakthroughs because of these topics s zep says you talked me through that situation in a way that spoke and broke through finally she was referring to helping one person might not change the world but it could change the world for one person Amanda says, thank you for this episode. After listening, I've been taking the time to think about why I often refuse help, especially when it's from a man or when I'm at work. Am I trying to prove something to the world? Am I brainwashed into thinking men expect something in return for their help? Very interesting comment. You know, I find that um, so shocking. I was watching... You guys still watching Downton Abbey? Watching Downton Abbey the other day, and there was a scene where it was like, "Oh, you watching it?" Yeah. Oh, Again. Because. <laughs> yeah. Um, where a scene where there was like a young boy had taken this girl out, and he's like, "Well, I've been taking you out, and I've been doing all this, and blah blah blah." You, do you think I, you know, wasn't expecting anything in return? And I thought, are there men that actually act like that? I, I mean, think, of course there are. But- I, yeah, of course. I don't think they say it out loud all the time, but I think that's always underlying maybe in some way that's why men and women friendships are so tricky sometimes i mean i feel like i would just laugh in a guy's face if he even dead yeah interesting wait is that from this week's episode or from the or from the help episode that feels like it's from the help episode a friend texted me and said I told Mike he's got to go over all the boring financial stuff with me. Good reminder that women often are clueless on that. At least I would be. So thank you for bringing it up. 
So I definitely got a few messages like that and we got a few on the on the Instagram and I hope that it did, as Beth said, at least affect a few people because if, yeah. if we can do that with our conversations each week, then I... That's enough for me. Oh, God, it just makes me feel really happy about doing this every week, even when you and I have like those weeks where it's just hell for I know. whatever reason. Like it's, you know, personal, logistical or whatever it is. It's like, it's so worth it when we get a message like that, that I'm just like, yeah. ah, don't worry about all of the other stuff. I know. I'll see you next week. <laughs> like- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it really does make it worth it. It really so, does. Thank you guys for sharing. And we always love hearing from you. It's not easy to bring a live show every week. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it from editing to hashing out direction and conversations and topics and going through our own emotions every week. And so when we do release the episode, it's very vulnerable and yeah. And we're not sure if anybody's listening at all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really actually sure if anyone gives a fuck gives um, an, no a we are because at all. we are because producer paul uh likes to give us a little update now and again on our numbers yeah all right so this week you and last week and i think the week before you mentioned to me <laughs> pretty much all the time <laughs> no 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 it's just been on your mind a lot and i love that because that means that we really should talk about it yeah is knowing your worth yes knowing your worth knowing that you're valuable. It came to me because in my therapy with Jody, my amazing therapist. Jody. We've got Jody and Jeff. Those are our therapists. Well, I've got two at the moment. So I've got Jody, yes, Jeff, and Brooke. And Brooke. <laughs> Dream team. Rock stars. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Just have a, a slew of therapists at all times. And lawyers. It's a real disaster. It's a real disaster. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) So I was discussing with Jody about my teaching schedule. I've taken on a lot of music students. I didn't mean for that to happen in my life. It's just that people would refer me to their friends. And and I've now collected this huge roster of music students, (laughs) (laughs) which is really funny to me. But I'm enjoying it, and I've developed such deep relationships with my students and their parents and blah, blah. So I was talking to her saying, I am completely overloaded. I'm selling a fucking TV show here. I'm, I've got my podcast. I'm writing a mm. play. I'm writing a book. I've got a lot. I'm auditioning. I've got mm. a shit ton going on. You need some room in that schedule. I do. And what's happening now with my music students, because so many of them are young and they're in school is that they can only do like after 3 p.m. every day. Mm-hmm. So my afternoons into the evenings where I'm teaching until 8 at night mm-hmm. is because these kids go to school. Yeah. I was telling her, I can't take on any more students. I don't have the hours in a day. I'm getting home late. I'm not having dinner with, with Will. I'm trying to cater to everyone for what they need. And she said... That's because you are not valuing yourself. You are in high demand. Mm -hmm. So why are you making your life dysfunctional to cater when you're the one with the value? (laughs) And I said, huh, I didn't think about that. 
Yeah, well, time to motherfucking think about it, you stupid bitch. Yeah. (laughs) She said, you need to raise your rate, which is me again, catering to others. I go, oh my God, okay, I know this family. I know that they can't give me my rate, but I want the child to have the lesson. So it's just this constant giving your value away and being blind to it. She she just said the bottom line is that you are in demand and you are not Mm -hmm. acknowledging that. And it's not just about teaching the music. It's as an actor, a musician, a writer. Mm -hmm. Why do we not know that we're valuable? That's a rhetorical question. I mean, take a stab at it if you will. But it ties into what I'm trying to say without saying about my relationship with my father. I'm used to a lifetime of having to go through an assistant to get to my own dad. Yeah. And that, that conditioning creates a very low self-esteem. I agree with you completely. I think this is common, this value thing, this undervaluing ourselves. And I think it comes from early childhood. Do you? Yeah, completely. I think it comes from our, okay, getting the sense message that you don't necessarily want to dig too deep into your relationship with your dad on air, but... It's not just about having to go through an assistant, obviously. It's so many more things. it's a pretty big point, though. You know, I think most people would see that as like it's a big sign and symptom of a bigger issue that's all that it is it's not the issue it's a symptom of the issue and you know I have to go I have to go get my notebook which I just threw across the room because (laughs) it has my notes on it and I want to say some really important stuff about this keep talking when you go to the doctor and you're ill what's the first thing they do they ask you what your symptoms are, don't they? Yes. So your symptoms aren't your illness. Your symptoms are as a result of your illness. So that's why I think that what you said about the assistant isn't unimportant because it's a symptom of a bigger issue. Um, right. And I think it would make anyone feel less important if they had to go through somebody else always to speak to their own parent. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think it creates a lot of self-esteem issues. Big time. It's really hard to talk about. Yeah. Because there's so much shame. Yeah. There's so much embarrassment uh, around being made to feel that you are not important enough to be responded to directly. It makes you feel like an animal, like a servant. Mm. Like an employee. Yeah. And it makes you blind to your worth. Mm. When you are a child, you're not, you're not capable of fighting that. No. You just decide, you just believe the spell. You go on in under, the spell is cast that you have no value. You are not important enough. To the very, from the very people that are meant to love you the most. From the very people that whose responsibility it is to instill a sense of self and a sense of worth. Those very people are teaching you that you are not valuable. They could take it or leave it. And when we let, when we continue to live under that spell as adults, this is the kind of thing that happens. And I want to speak about it through the tears because 
like you said earlier, it doesn't matter what your parent does for a living. Yeah. It doesn't matter what world they're in. It doesn't matter how rich they are. That's not right. what this is about. And it's not about blaming them either. They're doing the best they could. Like you said, your dad was not equipped to be a father. No. Bless his soul for that. Like he did the best he could. Yeah. I don't know how my dad feels about it, but I'm, I'm not holding anything against him. I don't judge him or think that he should have done this or that. No, he's on his own journey and I wish him well and I come from love and I don't need anything from him. But I do need to handle myself. And I do need to break these spells for myself now as an adult, now that I am capable of breaking the spells. Absolutely. Completely agree. That's account it's accountability. You know, it's 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 yeah. all very good and well. You know, we all have wounds, deep wounds. I would say nine out of ten of us have wounds from our parents. We talk about that in this house a lot because obviously, you know, Sarah and John have got two teenagers growing up and we sort of they you know, Sarah's sometimes like are they going to have like mommy or daddy issues? And like, what are they going to be? Do you know what I mean? Because everyone's yeah. just, and it's sort of hard to look around right now and think like, even in a really happy, healthy, normal family situation, there still can be issues that come up. There's still something, exactly. And that's the thing about like trauma and all that stuff. A trauma, as we say, doesn't have to be some big thing that happens. It can be a gerbil dying or losing your mother in the grocery store when you're a yeah. five-year-old. Um and it can create a wound that leaves you with a lasting impression. And yes, we have had these like bizarre childhoods and upbringings that have left us at absolute war with ourselves over our self-worth. I have the same yeah. thing with my dad because I, he was never there. You know, even when he wasn't working, he chose not to be with us. So right. we never had And Christmas. what message does that send exactly. to the child? Not at Christmas, not at birthdays, you know, nothing. It's, it was a disaster. And so for me, it was, oh, I guess I'm just not that important or you don't exactly. love me as much. And also I learned to accept the bare minimum from men. And only yes. now am I starting to un to unravel that. That's important what you said, Annabelle. You 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 learned to accept the bare minimum. One aspect of this is romantically with mm -hmm. men, but let's take it further. It teaches you to accept the bare minimum. Period. Well, full stop. Yeah. Completely. And that's the problem that I'm running into with my scheduling and with my teaching. And it's in every part of our lives and we mm. need to take a look at it. And that's what my therapist was urging me to do. Now I thought about this since she said it, and I want to touch on two things. At first I thought, okay, what does value mean? Well, it must mean achievements. Okay. So I've achieved a lot of shit and I can list that out and I can take a look at it to see my value. But this is deeper than that. Self-worth is not about achievement. It's not external. No, it's not just. anything outside of just being. You alone, without any achievement, without anything external, are valuable, are priceless, are enough. And also in response to that, something that I've been confronted with massively over the last year is that 
I mean, Jeff literally said to me, sorry, Annabelle, but your career and your music and your spins on Spotify and your styling or whatever else you want to do, your money doesn't make you valuable. No. So in response to you saying what you just said, the opposite is also true. You know, it's like, it doesn't make you less valuable and it doesn't make you more valuable. No. Um, and that's the unraveling part. And that's the part that now we're adults, we have to like actually confront ourselves and deal with ourselves. It's not up to our parents to teach us about love anymore. It's not up to our no. parents to show us the way. It's not up to them to do jack shit. They've done their thing now. Would it be great? Yeah, sure, it'd be lovely. But it it's not going to happen. So now it's on us to untwist our own knots and binds that we're in. Um, exactly. And that's the accountability part of this. And taking accountability for yourself is a big signal of how much you value yourself, I believe, personally. I believe so also. It really is. This year and a half since quarantine started has been a huge shift. Mm -hmm. Before quarantine, the last decade, I kept a book, a daily book that I would write in at the end of every day what my achievements that day had been for my career. Mm -hmm. I would write, I watched a movie, I read a play, I had a rehearsal with a scene partner for a scene I'm putting up in acting class. I emailed my agent and at the end of every day, I'd sit back and go, wow, that was a great day. A plus, good job. I am valuable. I am successful. When quarantine happened, I couldn't do any of those things. It didn't exist. It was taken away. Mm. So I continued with a book, but now it became about all the achievements in a day that are just achievements. I brushed my teeth. <laughs> I washed the dishes. Which during that time was, was an achievement. That was it was a huge achievement. <laughs> yes. I went for a walk. I No, you didn't. Don't believe it. <laughs> okay, maybe not that, but I I these little things throughout a day that were simply to nourish the self. Those became my achievements. Good. And it completely and I've never gone back to the career book. I have kept that book, that log at the end of the day because I find it fun. But my achievements are for me. Good. And they don't they don't equate to worth at all. There's this interesting thing I used to do whenever my dad would call me when I was in my 20s. He'd call and I'd be laying down just being a bum on the couch or something. And he'd call and I'd sit up and I'd go, oh, hey, hello. And he'd say, what are you doing? And I'd say, oh, oh, I just, um, I was just working on a, a project and I was, I'd make up all this stuff that I was doing. And I'd find myself doing that a lot when people would call. I would make up shit that I was accomplishing. Yeah. We're so tied to our self-worth and our value equaling accomplishment and productivity. Bollocks. It's complete bollocks. Yeah, I spent my life doing it. I think especially when you're an aspiring artist of any description, you know, you're completely left out at sea on your own. So you're just really making it up as you go along. So you have to hustle, but you don't know what hustling means. So you sort of start just like doing things that don't make any sense to be busy, to be, exactly. you know, seen to be doing something. I just want to pull up this thing that you saved on our Instagram, which I really liked. 
I think it's by, oh yeah, Brene Brown. You love her, don't you? Love her. She's too American for me. And I know that's a really cunty thing to say, but it's just a bit too sort of giddy up. Um, but I she love- is a good corn-fed girl from America. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. She's so earnest and so enthusiastic. And as an English person, I can't stand that. Um, yeah. So I love this quote, though. Great quote. It takes courage to say yes to rest and play in a culture where exhaustion is seen as a status symbol. I really yeah. liked that. I really, really like that because I look around me and I see people, oh, I'm so busy. Oh my God, I'm so, I'm just, oh. and it's like, mm-hmm. to me now, because I've deprogrammed myself from that, I just, it takes everything in me not to laugh in their faces because I just think, you see, you look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't care about any of that. How are you yeah. feeling in yourself, babe? That's what exactly. I'm interested in. Did you, have you had any good sex this week? How was your last meal? What did you think about the sunrise? Not really interested in any of the other stuff at all. You know, not to say that I'm not there for my friends' accomplishments and journeys. I am 100%. But I don't want all of this fakery, fuckery, fluffing that you're describing that you would sometimes do. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, are living unconsciously and doing that. And... Look, it doesn't really matter where the trauma came from. You don't need to sit here for years and pick it apart and no. link it back to, to some specific incident. Be here now in present time. Break these spells for yourself and function. Now, the hard part is when you actually have to, and here's where the courage comes in. Hey, my price has changed. I am mm. now more expensive. Or, hey, that's not okay with me. That's not good enough for me. I demand more. It's very scary to demand more for ourselves. And can I ask you, my next question to you is going to be that you've been thinking about this now for a few weeks. Your therapist is encouraging you along the way. Do you have any sort of practical knowledge, experience, or advice from the last few weeks that you've either seen or had to implement yourself in order to say that your prices have gone up or an attitude change or a mindset or an action that has kind of set you on the path to beginning to value yourself more um, appropriately. Yeah. uh, um, She gave me something to practice that I think might be helpful to others too. She said, practice in your head, your new rate and practice saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. and write it down and practice, write it in a text, even if you don't send it to anyone yet. She just said, practice Love it. out loud, out loud and on the page. And Tony Robbins says something similar. He says, I don't know the statistic, 95% of people don't achieve their goals because they don't write it down. Mm. Because when you write it down, when you say it out loud, you become accountable to it. When you Big say time. it to another, when, when you say it to another person, Ooh, look out, because then you actually have to do something about it, because then you have an accountability buddy who's going to say, hey, what happened to that thing you told me you were going to do? Yeah. Oh, you didn't do it? Why not? Then it becomes real. And that's why we don't do that. That's why we keep it in our hands. We keep it small. We don't want to say it out loud, (laughs) because then we'd actually have to fucking do it. I wish I'd done that more times in my life. I mean, kept it inside and not said it out loud. (laughs) 
wish that every week with this fucking podcast. I'm it, I'm regretting this entire conversation. This is one of my favorite chats we've had in a long time because I feel like it's very real and very yeah tuned in, and I I like this conversation a lot that we're having. Yeah. So maybe this week, everyone could like find something that they need to demand more from. Could be a relationship. It could be a, a money situation something from yourself and say it out loud, practice it out loud, ask for it if you need to, or simply try doing it. Demanding more for yourself when no one else is watching is interesting. Yeah. Like not leaving that sink of dishes there for three days, <laughs> not, not leaving a towel over the door because it's ugly to look at. Why don't we demand more beauty for ourselves, more cleanliness, more abundance, more joy, more adventure. Yeah. We don't demand enough for ourselves from ourselves. And it starts with us. How is anyone else supposed to take you seriously if you don't value yourself? You can tell when someone doesn't value themselves. It yeah. comes out in their appearance. They're sloppy. They're unkempt. They're, they're smelly, whatever it is, they are not demanding enough, <laughs> but really these things sound so stupid, but like it starts yeah, I, with these small things. I know what you're saying. I, and I agree. I think that <laughs> I like that a great place, uh, you know, charity starts at home and, yeah. um, it's kind of making me think of that in a way because I can massively relate to that aspect of like okay, with everything I've had going on and experienced, just getting up in the morning and going, okay, I'm going to have a shower and I'm going to yeah. put my earrings in and I have my milkshake. And why you know? is that? And why is that? Why do you say those things to yourself? Why is that? And make my bed. I like it why? in a very specific way because I want to come into the room and I want to feel clear of mind because I've had some sustenance and I want to feel stronger because I've eaten something. I want to look in the mirror and see a person looking back at me that I recognize, that I have respect for, and that I can go, yeah, nice one, bitch, you put your earrings in. Exactly. Even though your world is <laughs> aflame, you've sorted this room out, you've got your body together, You've tied your hair back. You put your fucking trousers on. And that attitude took me to the next step, which was exactly each step of my grief. You know, I can't, I'd have to go through my journals, which I'm going to do after a year. But that first step is 100% me repeating that is what get, got me to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. And I master each step. And I think like what you're saying with your therapist's suggestion of reading the letter out to like, do it until you're like immune to the feeling of it. Exactly. Put, print it out, put it on your table next to your coffee maker. It might take you a month to become immune to it and get used to it. Whether it's addressing something with a friend, sorting something out with your parents, doing something for yourself, like, you know, Whatever it is, just like there's a chair in my room. I've always got shit on. Noise the fucking shit out of me. And a couple of weeks ago, I was like, that, no more things on the chair. Banned. <laughs> yeah. And I feel so much better. I feel like, well done, Annabelle. You love yourself enough 
to just make that lovely chair clear. Yes, it adds up to bigger and bigger levels. Like we always say, courage is cumulative. This is as well, self-care, self-respect, because you value yourself. Me asking for what I know I'm worth in my teaching will help me when I go to ask for what I'm worth as a filmmaker when I sell my show. Mm-hmm. And having the building the courage in those small steps, building the patterns like you're you're doing every day through that grief gets you the next day mm-hmm. and the next day. It works. It really does. It's the it's the building blocks. You're laying you're laying down a layer every single day and before you know it got a beautiful castle in front of you. And that is what my book that I write in at the end of every day has become. All the building blocks that I did for myself that day to treat myself the way I deserve. Buy yourself first. Buy yourself first, buy no one else. And that has completely changed from before COVID where it was all career driven. And my self-worth was defined by my career. And that's no longer in place for me. And it's a whole new life. It's a whole new life. That's so great. So let's not dwell on, let's not dwell on what fucked us up. (laughs) Let's just get, let's just change it. Sort it it out. Yeah, sort it out. It's Um, time to just let it go and move on. So everyone, write down your thing, whatever it is, practice it. Practice, practice, practice until it starts feeling less charged. Funnily enough, that's exactly what I'm doing in my trauma therapy. I go really? again and again and again and again. We're, de- we're decharging the situation. It's never going to be yeah. neutral, but it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Um, yeah. And that's exactly what your therapist is saying to you too about the self-worth thing. And also... That chair in your room, everyone's got one that's covered in <laughs> shit. Clean it the fuck off, you slob. Everyone's got the chair. Mine's right next to me here at the dining room table. I cannot one even chair. tell you. I lay in bed now and I look at that chair and I think, wow, I am bloody that great. Chair. I am successful. <laughs> I am perfect. That chair is beautiful. Clean, empty, tidy. Because I'm worth it. Because I'm worth it, baby. (laughs) All right, honey. All right. Well, we love you, you valuable people. And I love you, Annabelle, you valuable woman. We love you too. You are, in my opinion, invaluable. There is no limit to the value. Love you. Love you. All these bitches is my sons And I'ma go and get some bibs for them A couple formulas, little pretty lids on them If I had a dick, I would pull it out and piss on them